Blog Talk Radio. The Mets win. The Heat win the chip. And even the Knicks style win today. And Sandusky lost big time. All that and more next. This is Friday Night Live. Welcome back to the show. We were out last week for um, reasons I don't want really to describe right now. This is Friday Night Live for Friday night, June 22nd, 2012. I'm John Corey. Welcome into the show. I'm going to stay on tonight as long as I can. Uh, If my voice gives out, please excuse me. Let's get right to it. Round two of the Subway Series began tonight. The Yankees went coming in losing two straight after the 10-game winning streak. The Mets coming in off the sweep of the Baltimore Orioles. Coming into tonight's game, after their closer made just a stupid comment, Calling the Yankees chickens is probably not the way you want to go into this series. So what we had to find out was, were the Mets going to make the Yankees chicken salad or chicken shit? And as the game started, you know, Jonathan Neese was not sharp at all tonight. Jonathan Neese was not locating well. His curveball was off most of the game. And the Yankees had some chances, especially early. But they couldn't, as has been their MO the entire season, they could not get that two-out hit. They could not get that run home. The Yankees had chances early to jump on the Mets and jump on them and jump on them and beat them. But Nice got out of the first. And then the bottom of the first started out quietly. A walk, a single, right little bouncer. Okay, but after Justin Turner got things rolling, Ike Davis had his biggest hit of the year, in my opinion. Ike Davis took a curveball, a pitch that up until recently he's had a ton of problems with. He stayed back on it just enough. He got a little help from Swisher, but he hit the three-run bomb, and the Mets were off and running. And for Ike Davis to have the resurgence that he's had has been a big pick-me-up for this Mets offense. David Wright has been very steady. Two more hits tonight. Duda's been up and down. 
You know, Murphy's been slumping. The shortstop position's been slumping. And for Ike Davis, boy, I'll tell you what. For Ike Davis to finally seem like he's coming around is going to be a big deal for this Mets team. But 5 nothing after the first, I don't think any Mets fan in the world thought this game was over by any stretch. But you saw the Yankees, you know, hit some quiet home runs to get them closer. And as the game went on, you know, Pettit got much more sharp. Pettit did a great job as the game went on to really solidify his standing, to really settle down, just start throwing some crisp pitches. He did a great job keeping the Yankees where they were in the game. And as the game went on, you saw little harmless things happening. You know, A-Rod hits a homer, the center. Okay, 6-1, no big deal. But then the Yankees get another solo shot. Okay, and Andrew Jones, okay, I get it, blah, blah, blah. But then, hmm, then... You know, things started to get a little bit dicey. A little bit dicey. Now, Jonathan Meese, a 6-2 lead, he hung a pitch to Cano, and he blasted up towards the shade bridge. Next thing you know, it's 6-4, and all hands were on deck. The Mets' offense had gone stagnant. The Mets got that important sixth run in the bottom of the seventh. At that point, it made it 6-2. Cano hit the home run in the top of the eighth to make it 6-4. But the combination of, and he hit that off Batista, actually, I apologize. But the combination of Parnell, Batista, and Francisco did not make it easy for a Mets fan to watch. These three guys, and Parnell was okay, but Batista giving up the, the bomb to Cano, and I don't know why Miguel Batista is pitching in the eighth inning. Uh, somebody has to explain to me why Miguel Batista is pitching in the eighth damn inning. Parnell has been brilliant of late. He's, Bobby Parnell has been the most consistent player in the Mets bullpen, and I understand that he scuffled as well the past week or so. But Bobby Parnell has had quiet outings. Francisco hasn't had too many of those. John Roush is nowhere to be found tonight. He's just tweeting out pictures of the rain before the game. Miguel Batista's pitching the eighth? Are, are we kidding? Not to mention, and it didn't come back to bite the Mets, but how about Heights goes in to play left or even play right? when it's a 6-4 game. Why are the Mets not playing on the line in a 6-4 game with two guys on? I mean, there was a lot of things that could have went against the Mets tonight. And they got out of it. And, and Francisco calmed down the ninth. And, and Frankie Francisco would have never heard the end of it. 
if he made the comment, whether it was taken out of context or not, but if he would have made that comment and would have saved, somebody would have needed a police escort to get out of the building. But the Mets held on. They won game one of the City Field edition of the Subway Series. You know, I Davis tonight. He was one for one for four. He's creeping closer to two hundred. He's at one eighty two, I believe. But his hit is the thing that got the Mets over the top tonight. Ike and Nice. Nice did get into the seventh. Nice has got to find a way to take that next step. But for a guy that was completely off his game, for Nice to get him into the seventh, get them into the seventh inning was a good job. Again, the bullpen don't get me started. Francisco's the closer. All right, Francisco's really going to have to scuffle. And I really don't want to see him scuffle. I don't want to have to worry about who my closer is. I want to ride with Francisco until I can't ride with him no more. My beef is Bobby Parnell should be the eighth inning pitcher. Period. End of discussion. Parnell in the eighth. Let Batista or Roush or Burdak or whoever else you want to throw in the mix for the seventh inning, pitch the seventh. But it should be Parnell to Francisco until further notice. As for the Mets offense, you know, David Wright, two more hits, another RBI, another run scored. Now, he did get, he did get doubled off, which was a pretty bad read on his part in the seventh. But Wright has been brilliant. But if you look at the Mets lineup right now, this is why in one series you see them get swept and in the next series you see them do the sweeping. They're a very hot and cold offense right now. They're a very contagious offense. It seems like if one guy hits, they all hit. No guy hits, none of them hit. And, you know, I brought up the Mets lineup two weeks ago when I did my last show. And... I'm a firm believer, even though Andres Torres had a, a nice catch in the ninth inning that could have really started that inning out in the, in the wrong way, Heist should be playing center field, batting leadoff against a righty or a lefty every single game. Nothing else to talk about. If you want to mix and match Torres in there to play left or right here and there, you know, everybody has to play. I get it. Let let him go in, do his thing. But there's no way he should be starting any games. The two spot I thought should be Murphy. It's clear the Mets are leaning toward Valdezpin right now. I don't know what to make of it. I think Murphy has done a solid job at second. His His hitting has been the problem, which is incredible. 
And I don't think that mustache is going to help him out either. And the Mets, you want to give Valdespin a shot? That's fine. A tough lefty, you want to put Turner in there? Now that he doesn't have to play short, now that the cavalry is starting to come back, I'm okay with that too. But I'm I'm a believer that the second baseman should be batting second. Turner has the skill set to do it. Murphy has the skill set to do it. And if you're that high on Valdespin, let him see some fastballs in front of David Wright. What can go wrong? Now, obviously, you know, Wright's going to be in the three spot. Duda's going to be in the four spot. Ike should always bat in the five spot. Like I said before, if you want to put Harrison fifth against a tough lefty, okay, I'll buy in. But there's no way Ike should be batting seventh. And I think he's hitting bombs like he did tonight. We shouldn't have this discussion again. And then the rest of the lineup should fill in from there. We know we're not going to see Jason Bay for a while, which is actually a shame. You know, for him to get hurt on a hustle play like he did, and I know I'm going back a little bit. I haven't been here in two weeks. But for him to go out on a hustle play like that is a shame. You know, he's had no luck at all since he's came back to New York. And, you know, let him recover and see what happens. But this Mets team, in a lot of respects, is doing it with smoking mirrors. The win tonight was a nice win. And now if they could ever get through the G game tomorrow, it sets up Sunday night. Boy, I'll tell you what. The Sunday night game is a must, must watch. Sabathia versus Dickey. Dickey with the back-to-back one-hitters. Sabathia, the Yankee ace, the workhorse. Did all everything for that pitching staff. The hype will be there. Now, do I expect Dickey to pitch another one-hitter? No. Do I expect Sabathia to pitch a good game? I do. I do. But we're in for a fun weekend. The Mets drew first blood tonight. You know, if you're a Mets fan, you're hoping for two out of three. A sweep would be great. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. But the Mets are doing their doing their thing right now. The, the Mets are are hanging in, and they got some help from the Orioles tonight. As the Orioles beat the Nats two one, and if the I'm going to say it, if the playoffs were to begin today. Your New York Mets would be in the wild card. They'd be in the playing game, which I, I don't even know what the what to think when I when I say that. I want to try to bring you guys in on the conversation. If you want to call in. Give an opinion, 805-830-8359. My voice is gone already. Please help. (laughs) 
We'll talk about anything. Mets, Yankees, Heat. That's 805-830-8359. If you look at the standings now, in the American League East, the Yankees lost tonight. They've lost three in a row after winning 10 straight. They fall back to a game and a half lead over Baltimore. They stretch it out to three over Tampa. Boston lost tonight, so they're five and a half out. And, and my pick to win the division is also five and a half out. In last place at 36 and 34, the Blue Jays. Now, if you go to the National League East, it's starting to get real interesting. Now, I say this, the, the Mets are two and a half behind the Nationals, but they're four back in the loss column. The Braves are also four back in the lost column. They're three back. But Miami and Philly, if you were talking about the National League East at the beginning of the year, you could have made the case that these standings are upside down right now. I mean, how about the, how about the Miami Marlins? Two and eight in their last ten. They've been... And it's been an abject failure there. All that talent is just a waste. Just wasting away now. It is amazing. And that's not to say that, you know, one, you know, eight out of ten streak can't get them back into this. But they're four games under. Philly's five games under, but at least they're ravaged by injuries. But if you look at the standings and you see the, the New York Mets at 39-32, and 7-3 in their last 10, four-game win streak, two-and-a-half back, four in the loss column. As we head toward July, are the Mets making you a believer? If you're a Mets fan, are you starting to wonder if this team can actually do it? I think you're within your right to start asking the question. I really do. Thirty nine and thirty two. The pitching staff has been solid at at worst. The offense seems to be coming around. And if the Mets can ever get right Duda and Davis going at the same time, look out. Now, again, there's no reason why Neuenheist shouldn't be playing. But I'll tell you what. You got to think about where can this team go? Where can this team go from here? It could be, it could be a magical season in Queens. Did I, did I say it? Did I just say it? Wow. A quick note, um, I'll bring it up at the end of the show. Sun, Status Sunday is actually going to take place Sunday night after the, after the game. Uh, I'm not going to preview the game. Sunday night at 11.30 p.m. after Mets-Yankees Sunday Night Baseball, we're going to do Status Sunday then, and we're going to recap 
the Saturday and Sunday games and whatever else is happening. Um, so it's, if you want to listen to the show live, it's going to be Sunday night, not Sunday morning, Sunday night at 1130. Uh, let's move on to the NBA. And you have to send congratulations out to the Miami Heat. As much as we all hate the fact that those three bums got together, as much as we hate the selfishness of the whole thing, the Miami Heat were the better team, and the Miami Heat had the better men playing for them. Oklahoma City, after winning game one, cracked. They cracked all the way to its core. LeBron James was everything a superstar basketball player should be. Don't get it twisted that he had Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, and what seemed like a cast of thousands all of a sudden helping them in the NBA Finals. LeBron James did what he needed to do. Two triple doubles in a five-game series. I don't care who the hell the talent around you is. You still have to make the effort to get everybody in the right spot with the passes, to be physical and get the rebounds, and to score like he scored. Even his free throws were good in the finals. You have to give all praise and all credit to LeBron James and the Miami Heat. As much as it pains me to say it, I did pick the Heat in six. I did not think the Heat were going to dominate game five the way they did. I did think Mario Chalmers was going to have a big game in game four. I did not think Miami would win game five the way they did. And as for the Thunder, where do they go from here? Boy, I'll tell you what. They were exposed a little bit. But I wouldn't change anything if I was the Thunder. If you can add pieces, that would be great. But the Thunder needs the Thunder needs a Ray Allen type. They need a spot up shooter that Durant and Westbrook to play off. And in my opinion, they need a new coach. Because Scott Brooks and let's bear in mind that Scott Brooks does not have a contract for next year. So he can lose his job very easily. No money off off the Thunder's hands whatsoever. Boy, would Phil Jackson be interested in the Thunder job? Hmm. I'm not sure Phil Jackson could deal with Westbrook. Well, I'll tell you. It's an intriguing possibility I heard tonight. Well, actually read tonight on Twitter. Now, the Thunder are the youngest starting five in the NBA. They have great talent, and they're going to be around for a long time. And the series, the first four games of the series, were nip and tuck back and forth close basketball games. Game five was the one that didn't go with the flow. The first four, now they they were back and forth. They were games that, especially two, three, and four, were back-and-forth games that either team could have won. Now, where did the Heat go from here? 
There's a lot of talk about Ray Allen possibly going to Miami. I think we've seen that show before. Wasn't Mike Miller supposed to be the guy? How about Mike Miller, who hasn't done anything for two years in the Miami uniform, coming out in game five and thinking he's Mike Miller from four years ago? Just splashing threes everywhere. Incredible. Battier was tremendous. Shane Battier is probably the most underrated pickup of the entire 2012 offseason. Shane Battier came in, and he did everything that he usually does in the NBA court. Hits threes, plays defense, and hustles. And his three-point shooting was a big difference why the Miami Heat were able to win a championship. He was able to spread the court just enough for LeBron to get some driving lanes. Chalmers is Chalmers. You know, the rest of that supporting cast is, is what it is. And Nick fans, how about the fact that both Ronnie Turiak and Eddie Curry get a ring? Eddie Curry's going to get an NBA championship ring just for putting a suit on every night. Eddie Curry. Oh, my goodness. I mean, at least Terry has played a minute in the playoffs, but Eddie Curry's going to get a ring? I hope he doesn't pawn the thing. Jeez. But congratulations to the Heat. They deserve it. I picked them in six. They deserve it. They were the better team. They had the better player. I wonder if it's going to be a sign of things to come. I know the Thunder will be back. But how will the Heat make adjustments to this team? It'll be an interesting offseason. Speaking of interesting offseasons, I want to transfer over to the Knicks. And the Knicks, who have been out of the playoffs for about five weeks now, got a huge win today. Now, there's been a hearing going on where the NBA PA has been trying to force early bird rights for some of the players in the league, a couple guys from the Clippers, Novak and Lynn from the Knicks, and the NBA PA got the case one for the players, and now the Knicks are able to use their bird rights for Jeremy Lynn and Steve Novak. Now, why do you ask? What does it matter? Because now the Knicks can go out and sign a Ray Allen. They can sign a Steve Nash. They can sign a Jason Kidd. The Knicks can essentially go out and do a Tyson Chandler type deal. Is the easiest way to explain it. The Knicks can then go over to salary cap and re-sign Lynn and Novak. It is a huge win for the Knicks. It's a huge win for the organization. Now they have to do right by it. They can't get this cap space and do nothing. If you're a Knicks fan, would you bring Raymond Felton back in? I would. If you can't get Nash or Kidd, I would, Raymond Felton would be next on that list. As a matter of fact, in my, in my list, Raymond Felton would be second. I would let Kidd go out the pasture, let him go to Brooklyn, and let him bring Jefferson and Martin with him and have the old man's reunion in Brooklyn of the Nets. 
But I'll tell you what, if the Knicks can get Steve Nash, and there's talk that the Knicks, under these circumstances, may be able to make a run at, after Steve Nash and Ray Allen. It's an old, it's an old team. But boy, would I run with that team? You damn right I would. Big win for the Knicks tonight off the court. Now, I'm not going to get into it. I'm not going to delve into it, but Jerry Sandusky was found guilty tonight. I know, big surprise, but he was found guilty on 45 of the 48 counts against him. He's going to prison for the rest of his life. Good for him. I do have a problem with the fact that he's going to be in solitary confinement. He should be forced to be amongst the general population in that prison. For all the little kids that he hurt, that he scarred for life, and don't forget the fact that there was no less than four Penn State coaches on the staff with Sandusky that said that they saw him doing this stuff in the shower. Shame on them. Shame on all those coaches. And for every Penn State elitist who talk bad about teams like Ohio State, talk bad about teams like LSU, talk bad about teams like the U, how dare you when you have coaches that see other coaches with kids in the shower touching them and you do nothing and you can say something about the Miami Hurricanes? Go fuck yourself, Penn State. That's going to do it for me for tonight. Well, I thank all of you that listen. You're still making this the fastest rising show on Blog Talk Radio, and I appreciate the hell out of you. We're going to be back Sunday night, 11.30 p.m. for Status Sunday, special edition at the Mets Yankees. There'll be the Sunday night game on, on, on Sunday night, obviously. You can email the show, statusradio at gmail.com. You can always call in anytime, 805-830-8359, if you want to get on the show while it's getting recorded. You can listen to the show on iTunes. Just search Blog Talk Radio, Status Radio, or Jay Corey. You should find the show there. You can follow me on Twitter, John underscore Corey, C-O-R-R-I-E on Twitter. And as always, the show has a Facebook page, Status Radio on Facebook. Go like it today. Thank you again for listening. I'm sorry my voice is giving out. That's a wrap for me. I'll talk to you Sunday night. Let's go Mets.